Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Go with Julio podcast. I'm a tech marketer turned leadership coach on a mission to educate, inspire, and empower you to unlock your best, most authentic self as a leader. If you're ready to confront the hard things getting in the way of your success in a way that's real and honest and loving, then you're in the right place because you can and you will. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Today, we are talking about boundaries. Boundaries are critical for us as brave, heart-centered leaders. So I want to explore what boundaries are, how you know when you're not setting boundaries, and then we'll go through three tips to setting better boundaries at work. You know, boundaries can be an intimidating term, but they're very simply the expectations and needs that help us feel safe and comfortable inside relationships. How many of you say yes to things when you really mean no? Most of us aren't so great at vocalizing to people in our lives what makes us feel respected and valued. And this is true with friends, it's true with family, with partners, And guess what? It's also true at work. Work is the relationship we spend the most time in, and yet it's the place where we also have the hardest time setting limits. Because frankly, we're scared that people won't see us as a team player. Our employers have boundaries built in, like the time your workday begins and how many vacation days you have. But work boundaries have to be a two-way street. Boundaries for your employer and boundaries for you. I get it. It can be really hard to tell someone what you need. In fact, it takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, this is the way that I want to be treated. I love the definition that Prentice Hemphill, who is a embodiment coach, shares. The definition is that a boundary is the distance with which I can love you and me at the same time. I absolutely love that. It frames it in a way that really speaks to my heart and allows me to be clear about the boundaries that I set and maintain within my life. I think setting boundaries can help you feel happier and more fulfilled in your roles, not to mention less exhausted and overwhelmed at work. You know, we often assume that other people have the same rules for life as we do. We think they can tell our preferences and they know how we feel from our body language, but no one, not the people you've known for years and certainly not your coworkers can read your mind. How often are we communicating with the people we work with about how we really feel and what we need, what's okay and what's not okay? That's a boundary in its simplest essence what's okay and what's not okay. It's okay for you to be frustrated about this news. It's not okay to bang your hands against the table and shout at me. What's okay and what's not okay. It's about being clear and being kind. That's Dr. Brene's work there. Clear is kind, unclear, unkind. The challenge is, is we sometimes don't set boundaries. We let people do things that are not okay. And then we're just resentful and we're hateful. That's not useful energy. 
Instead, what's possible is that we can be loving and we can be generous and straightforward with what's okay and also what's not okay. Your boundaries are made of your yeses and your noes. And what we know for sure is that in order to thrive, you have to set boundaries. Otherwise, everyone's going to tell you who you are and what you want. And I think the work for us to do here is to let go of who we think we need to be so that we can embrace who we really are. The truth is you can still be a nice person and set boundaries. It does not mean you're a bad person. It just means maybe you don't want to do something. A boundary really says, I choose self-love and self-respect over what you think of me or over the possibility of disappointing you. And the truth is, is we're not generous and kind to people who are walking all over us. Setting boundaries allows us to to create some parameters, some distance, the distance with which I can love you and me at the same time. You know, when you look at the research from Brene on leadership, over 500,000 participants over 20 years, one of the most profound signals from that research is that the most compassionate people are the most boundaried. In order for you to be a compassionate leader, you have to understand how to set a boundary, communicate a boundary, and enforce a boundary. Where is the opportunity for you at work to explicitly state what you need? to communicate what works for you, that actually is one of the kindest things we can do. And the short-term discomfort is so worth it for the long-term ease of having healthier boundaries in your workplace. So here are three simple steps to help you get started. Step one, let's identify the boundaries you need to set. There are so many different kinds of boundaries. For example, you could tell a colleague what hours you are and are not able to work. You can share that you need to leave the office promptly at five to pick up your children or that you log off fully on the weekends to really recharge. You can tell them how you prefer to communicate, that you, let's say, enjoy talking by the phone rather than DMing or slacking or texting, especially with your bosses. You can set boundaries around how you like to receive feedback. You can even say, I work best with clear deadlines. Can you please set one? Or you can tell them you like written notes on your work so you have time to digest the feedback. You can even set boundaries around your calendar and ask that people ask you, say, before throwing a meeting on it, right? Maybe you prefer to be aware of what your day looks like. I like this. I don't like having last-minute meetings thrown on my calendar. I want to have a sense of my play-by-play for the day. All of these are ways of communicating what's in and what's out. It's all ways of setting boundaries. You can set boundaries on how you interact with people socially. For example, it makes me feel uncomfortable when you share gossip at my desk. Or no, I'm not interested in drinks after work but I'd love to go to a yoga class with you. You can set these boundaries and it creates a shared and mutual understanding for what's okay and what's not okay. I've been thinking a lot about boundaries in the context of maintaining peace in life. One of them being boundaries setting around the news, for example, or social media. 
in a world where the algorithm prioritizes hate and fear-mongering and negativity-biased clickbait, it can be easy to get caught up in the spiral of this such that you end up losing your peace and you lose your boundary around protecting your peace. I realize how easy it is, especially, you know, at the dinner table or going out to have a drink to talk about how bad everything is and to take on the energy of everything going on in the world that's not in alignment with what you want. And I think that there could be an opportunity for some boundary setting there, the ability to say, yes, I'm aware of what's going on and I'm taking the time to stay informed and educated, but I'm also not going to perpetually refresh and look and search for more and more news that is intentionally designed to stroke fear and uncertainty and discomfort. So that's one area where I think we can benefit from a boundary. Okay, step two is to think about how and when to make the boundary. Boundaries are kind of like classroom rules. You want to set them in the container as early as possible. People do it all the time in the job-seeking process. They may say something like, I have a vacation plan for these dates. Will I be able to make my vacation, take my vacation? How many of us have done that before making an offer, letting them know, hey, I have these dates, I need to block these out. That's a boundary. If we can go into a new work environment and with people already knowing what we can and cannot do, that is a beautiful way to show up. If that feels like too much, orientation can be a great time to set boundaries right at the beginning of starting a job. You know, so when you're when your supervisor tells you that the workday ends at six, just flow it in. Hey, that's perfect. I need to leave work at six anyway. One boundary I want you to set right away is to take every single day of paid vacation because you've earned it and because you need the rest. Those times are strategically and intentionally for you to cultivate meaningful connection with yourself and with others. And when you can stay in the flow of that connection, you have more source energy, you have more power, you have more purpose and inspiration to keep being successful at work. If you choose to sacrifice that time and not set a boundary around it, you start to see that show up in other parts in your life. Recharging is good for work-life balance. And by the way, it's perfectly acceptable to set boundaries for yourself when you notice something in the workday that's not making you feel good. If you get a headache when you have five meetings in a day, tell yourself maybe four will be your maximum. If you get anxious trying to respond to 200 emails on Monday morning, maybe you don't do that first thing. Maybe you break it up into half-hour increments throughout the day. For me, I have one whole day that's a no-meeting day that's dedicated just to creativity, to writing, to recording, to the capturing of ideas that have surfaced over the course of the week. I like working in chunks. I don't like answering every email as soon as I get it. I like sitting with information before I respond. You have to set in motion those new habits and practices that will make you feel at ease. You identify where the boundary is, you claim it and define it and articulate that boundary, and step three is the hardest. You need to stick to the boundary you set. 
Because if you say you're not available after six, maybe don't respond to the group chat. If you say you're not available on weekends, don't be doing work all weekend. When you respond to emails or agree to look at proposals or do work outside of those boundaries, you're teaching people that the boundary isn't real, that it's actually okay to violate it. I know in this world of having constant contact with Slack and DMs and email, how many of us are on vacation sitting by the pool on our phones quickly checking email? I used to feel this discomfort at work where I would take a week off and then midweek I'd be checking emails and responding to stuff and the team would say, hey, aren't you on holiday? Like, stay offline. And... I could feel that agita and discomfort in my body, but I did it anyway because I thought this is an indication, of course, that I'm committed to the job. I'm committed to the job such that I can take a week off and still add comments and add value while I'm gone by the pool. And what I recognized and learned in that experience was that that's not actually what it was communicating. It was communicating that I don't know how to honor and respect boundaries. And when I take vacation time to recharge, I'm not actually using it. And it doesn't reflect well on me as a leader. So that was a big lesson that I had to learn. And I see this a lot with clients now who are on these hedonic treadmills where they're moving so fast and looking to do more and be more and execute more faster and faster. It's important to honor the time for recharging because in that time to recharge is where you can check in on your boundaries. They're there. I'm clear on what they are and I have the wherewithal and the energy to enforce the boundary. And the busier you get, the more chaotic and hectic life can get, the easier it is for you to slowly lose sight of those boundaries, particularly at Lyft and Airbnb pre-IPO, you'd work easily 10-hour, 12-hour days. I mean, it was a real grind. And I sacrificed connection with family. I sacrificed connection with my body. I sacrificed meaningful connection with friends you know, breaking bread at a dinner and really being able to be present and listen to each other. For me, it was a badge of honor to have Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, text me on a Saturday night at 9 p.m., texting me to do stuff on the weekend for him on Monday. And don't get me wrong, it was incredible. And it was a career highlight, but it burned me out and I ran out of fuel and it was kind of an overdrive. Setting boundaries is hard at first, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. So consistency is really key here. That might mean restating the boundary even more than once. That might mean reminding yourself why you set the boundary in the first place. I wanna spend a little bit of time offering some thoughts on how to know when there's an opportunity to set a boundary. I think the first indicator for me, and there's a few, but I'll just run through a few of the most common that I see as an executive coach. The first is the inability to make a decision. It's oftentimes this reckoning between what will other people think with 
what it is that you really want to do. And so when you start running around being indecisive because you're worried about what other people are going to think or what the implications of the decision are, there could be a possibility that a boundary there could be set, that some clarity around what's important to you, what's okay and what's not okay, can be paid attention to and be refined and articulated. You know, and I think sort of the fantasy in this case is that maybe someone else is going to step in and make a decision or someone, something will appear to help you be able to make the decision. But when you can't make a decision, it's also much more difficult to set a line in the sand and say, you know, actually, I can't come to the movies tonight because I have a deadline I need to respect or I can't stay for dessert because I have to be home with the kids by X or I can't take on this extra work because we've been delayed on another project. You know, being really clear about that. The second is people-pleasing. The disease to please, to want to satisfy everybody in your life. When you engage in people-pleasing, it tends to escalate, and it may escalate to a point where you no longer are able to define what is okay and what is not okay for you, what's in and what's out. Because when you spend so much of your energy in the service of pleasing others, you can sometimes run the risk of not being able to have enough energy for yourself. There's a classic metaphor for this, which is you've got to fill your cup up first before you can put any in anyone else's. I used to have the disease to please. I was a heavy, heavy people pleaser wanting approval and acceptance. Am I good enough? Am I worthy just being here? Especially when you're a gay Latin employee in corporate big tech jobs, lots of people pleasing. And so it was hard for me to define where my boundaries were when I was so much of my energy was spent in the service of pleasing other people. When you say yes, when you really mean no, because you want to people please or because you feel bad or you worry about how it will be perceived or what people will think, people follow the intention of the yes. So you say yes when you mean no and the problem persists and it just carries on. You don't actually end up solving the problem. The third uh, indication of an opportunity for stronger boundaries is related to the first two. You can't make a decision. You're people-pleasing. And then what happens when you do that over time? You lose your sense of self. Brian Chesky, just today, I watched him. He's going on a series of interviews with the Diary of a CEO podcast. And he talked about the fact that working on a Saturday night at 9 p.m. took away from his capacity to be in relationship and cultivate meaningful connection with people in his life, and that it led to him being sad and lonely, he was so in his head that he lost connection with his heart. He lost connection with himself and with the people around him. And I saw some of that energy, and I also fell into some of that trap. So I really relate to a lot of what he talked about. And some of that is connected to not having clear boundaries around work. When you don't set boundaries and prioritize relationships as well as work, You can lose yourself. You become the job. You become 
the savior of in the relationship. You become the one who does everything for everybody except for yourself. I think another indication of poor boundaries is the extent to which you might overshare. I always am reminded of what Brene says, which is vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. They're sharing something vulnerable with those who have earned the right to listen and then there's oversharing people who smash and grab and they they throw all of this stuff on you sometimes they even overshare things that aren't theirs to share it's intended to hotwire connection with that person often but it doesn't actually work And so there are boundaries to be set around the extent to which and how you are vulnerable. I would say those are some of the indications. And if any of those you felt in your heart while listening to this, maybe you can grab a pen and paper and do a journaling exercise to tune into what comes up for you and where there may be an opportunity here for you to identify the boundary, communicate the boundary, and then hold yourself accountable to the boundary. That's really where the magic is. In my life right now, I work hard to set boundaries around the way I approach work. Now I really respect the boundaries that I set with my body, you know, with my head, my heart, and my, my gut. I check in with my body. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What do you need from me today? And I set a boundary around that. Maybe that means taking a few less meetings. Maybe that means moving my body longer. Maybe that means slowing down, creating some space in my day. I ask my body for a message and I listen and pay attention to the boundary. And I start there with the body because I think it all flows from there, at least for me. That's what works for me. And the same with my mind. You know, I used to pride myself on busy as a status symbol, being able to get into the office at 7 a.m. and leave at 9 p.m. and be in back-to-back meetings from basically 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. And so now I have to set healthy boundaries with my mind. And so I'll block time. I won't have to respond to an email right away. I can take some time to review the strategy. I can be more flexible and considerate with how I engage my mind and I do it in stints of time that work for me as opposed to back to back nonstop, go, 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 go. And everyone has to find what works for them. And I'm still on the journey. You know, if you you think about strategy, there's always the crawl, the walk and the run. I say I'm graduating from the crawling to the walking. And that's kind of the phase I'm at. The first two years was crawling, and we're now moving into the walking phase. And so little by little, I'm learning, are these the right boundaries? Do I need to make changes to them? And you know, they're hard to make. Boundaries are hard because it requires the courage to say what's truly on your heart, to say what's true as it relates to what you need in order to feel grounded and respected and belonging. And that's hard. It's uncomfortable. And that's exactly the work that we're doing. Being uncomfortable is your body's way of reminding you and telling you that you're learning something. And so part of being able to set boundaries is to 
normalize discomfort, get okay with feeling uncomfortable. That is something I can really relate to right now in preparation for my TEDx talk in Harlem on October 28th. I'm giving a talk. I'm so blessed and honored for the opportunity. I'm calling it the technology of courage. And I got to tell you, it really feels like this is going to be a live demo that on this entrepreneurial journey, I am learning the technology of courage. And a big part of that is setting boundaries and being clear about what's okay and what's not okay. Being clear about me in relation to my life and making sure that the distance with which I can love me and the people in my life and the work and everything is really clear. So we went through how to identify that maybe you need a boundary, how to communicate the boundary, and how to hold on to the boundary. We delved into boundaries today because this has come up a few times from members of the community, you listeners who have reached out asking for some clarification and some guidance on boundaries. And I think if you take away one message from this episode, it's this that a boundary is simply the distance with which I can love you and me at the same time. When you think about a boundary from that lens, what comes up for you? Where in your life can you benefit from setting a boundary, from defining the distance with which you can love yourself and whatever that situation is in your life, at work, at home, what have you, you modeling what it looks like to set and articulate and enforce a boundary in a way that's loving and generous and kind and assumes positive intent for the other person always, when you can do that, you model for others and it is empowering for others. And as we said earlier, the compassion comes from your ability to hold and honor your boundaries. So that's what you're going to do. You're going to hold and honor those boundaries and cultivate more compassion in your life, more courage in your life, and therefore more connection with yourself and with others. All right? Love it. If y'all are around and are listening to this and want to come, the TEDx talk in Harlem is October 28th. Grab a ticket while you can. It's happening at the Harlem Hospital. Here's to setting healthier boundaries that allow us to be more generous and peaceful and loving with our lives. Thank you for your time. Let's go, baby.